well. Did you hear that? <laughs> that was... Yeah, that was nice. Decent. Well, I never, like, really burp all that much. And when I do, it's just, like, a puff. And that was, like, yeah. sound. Wow. That one had, like, some, like, vibration to it. Like, yeah. Was it satisfying? It was a surprise. Okay. All right. That works. Uh, you're... For some reason... Your voice coming through the mic and your mouth are not lining up, and it's really pissing me off. <laughs> I fucking hate that. Wait, I don't think it ever lines up. No, there you go. Now it is. Okay. Oh, really? No, yours always does for me. Oh yeah, there's always a slight delay. Oh no, it's always pretty pretty good. Oh, all right. That's really distracting though, and it doesn't work. It really is. Well, that belching bell over there is Becky. Oh, and that um not lined up mouth person is <laughs> Rachel. <laughs> I know, sick burn. <laughs> sick, this is uh, sick fucking burn. <laughs> this is Chardonnay and DNA. And I brought the Chardonnay. It's not buttery <laughs> this time. It's not buttery. You it's didn't just... melt butter in a glass and just drink it like Paula Dean. It's it's just regular. <laughs> <laughs> also fuck Paula Dean. Uh, same i mean agree but like her ride in the stick of butter is one of my favorite memes <laughs> oh yeah they're so. always they always have like um valentine's day memes with that yeah yes it's just it's hilarious so <sighs> okay i have i have a question for you okay if you could say three words to your 18 year old self what would they be Three words, no more, no less. Mine's sad. Oh no, okay. <laughs> Leave home now. <laughs> Run away. Yeah, um, I don't even need three words. Oh, that is. Use four, get the fuck out. Like, <laughs> uh, GTFO, yeah. Yeah, mine's sad. It's so funny because I always see that meme. Mm-hmm. And, like, I see people post, like, these funny things or, like, cute things. And then, like, mine's always just, like, you poor sweet child. Get yeah. the fuck out of there. <laughs> like, <laughs> but, yeah. Yep. Get out now. I mean, I can come up with a bunch of variations of it, but it's essentially all telling me to get the fuck out of my abusive home. Run away now. Yeah. Yep. Okay. Well, that wasn't funny, but that's okay. Was yours funny? Oh, well, I was going to say some smart shit, like, liquor before beer. (laughs) I mean, that's actually super smart to tell yourself back then. Yeah. Um, but if I'm going to say kind of a more, uh, serious one, it would probably be, you'll break up. (laughs) Yeah. 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 Just to, like, I mean... I don't know. I don't like like no rugrats. You know what I mean? Yeah, yeah. But like I would probably just be like I would probably just like whisper in 18-year-old Becky's ear and be like, you'll break up. Right. Just just giving that heads up. Yeah. Just like just just so you know. I've I've been with Joey since I was 18, so like mine isn't. I thought it was even before that. I mean we've been best friends since we were little kids, but like Mm. um was right out of high school like but right. you were you were what am i my gesture right now yeah inappropriate gestures you were um shut up boys i can talk about they, mommy no. and daddy having sex they're angry about it um i'm doing no. the index finger inside like fist. in the hole actually no we really weren't excuse me are you a virgin? until no <laughs> i am Sorry, I'm holy and one with the Lord. Wow. No, or but no, like or you're not holy. <laughs> yeah, that's the problem. Um, Ew. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> no, no, no. Um, so mine wouldn't just be anything relationship related. If I want one that's funny, it'd be uh weed isn't bad. <laughs> weed is good. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Smoke weed now. <laughs> um but yeah, so Blaze up, bitch! One. Yeah, yeah, that's exactly. It. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I think I think that's cute. Like, um, it's actually really therapeutic to write a letter to your past self. I don't know mm. if you've ever done that. I've before. never done that. Yeah, it's actually really nice because, like, 
I, I actually do one like once a year, as ridiculous really? as that sounds. Hmm. And sometimes I'll post snippets of it on my Facebook and it's more because I know there are other people out there like that I'm friends with that need to hear what I'm saying and like needed to hear that a long time ago. Hmm. Um, so it's just it's kind of nice. Like that's interesting. You know, yeah, it's not it's just something I do. So but uh try it. I think you'll like it. Honestly, I think you'll find it like relieving in a way you know it actually so my therapist would always be like and she'd be she'd be very gentle about it she'd be like maybe you should try journaling that and i'd be like no i don't write things down yeah it's like if i write things down then i then it's then it's here it's real it's (laughs) It's not just in my head it's out of that noggin i can't i was like i'd be like (laughs) i'd be like okay but like i would never do it i think I think writing letters to your past self is different than journaling in the way of like it doesn't feel like journaling. Yeah, but now I do. But the plot, the fucking, the fucking cosmic plot twist is now I do write things down and like, oh my god, it helps. <laughs> Game changer. It yeah. Helps. <laughs> yes. You're like, damn it. <laughs> I'm sure my therapist rolls her eyes at me every like internally. No, she doesn't. She's a sweetheart and a perfect yeah. angel baby. But she's probably. When I come in, I'm like, hey, did you know that writing helps? And she's probably just like, fucking God. <laughs> bitch, I told like you. Like <laughs> this fucking bitch. <laughs> that's what I would do if I were her. <laughs> yeah, that's, I mean, mine uh, always used to tell me, like, when I was being super, super hard on myself, um, what if this was your friend telling you what you're telling me right now? And to give yourself the kindness that you would give others. And you were like, um... I'm Itch, not, no. I'm not my friend. <laughs> yeah, I was like, I hold myself to a different standard me, than I hold that. <laughs> me and me and me are not friends. <laughs> no, no, I'm not kind to myself. Get we're, the fuck out of here. We're mortal fucking enemies and she will be destroyed. <laughs> and the worst part about this is that instead of using that for myself, mm-hmm. as I should, um, when my friends are being assholes to themselves, I use it on them. So I throw that in there and I'm like, if this was me and I was telling you what you're telling me now, what would you say to me? Offer yourself that same kindness. So I just flipped it and I use it for other people and not for myself because I'm a fucking asshole oh, to myself. Oh, you are an ass. Oh, but also now if you ever say that shit to me, I'm going to be like, fuck you. <laughs> Go. <laughs> I just gave myself up, damn it. Yeah, you did. I'm going to like let the record show uh, 5.55 on September, <laughs> whatever it is. Yeah. If you ever fucking say that well here's the thing now if i ever say that then you can go bitch do it to yourself and throw it right back at me great perfect i love it just script. throw it back in my face i yeah. love i love a script it's ready to go but so our icebreaker turned into sharing uh therapy tips that's fun uh, therapy tips that was the, it's, it's good that was a the theme song for therapy tips my new my new talk show <laughs> I thought it was just our new, like, corner, like, padded room. <laughs> yeah, it is for right now, but it's also my talk show, Rachel. It, okay. Something can be two things. God. <laughs> <laughs> Terry, I fully expect you to pull that audio, and anytime we talk about therapy, you will play Becky singing therapy tips. Therapy tips! It's ready. We'll add some background music. That would be great. Actually, I really would love that. Yeah. It'd be super cute. Um, so, okay, one second. Terry, at 8.45, cut this out for, like, until nine minutes. On this episode, let's do Purvis Payne updates, and then the other one, we can do the Gabby thing. Is that cool? Yeah, that's fine. Like, in Because then we'll have, like, two things to talk about. Yep. Okay. Um, so I do have a couple of Purvis Payne updates. They are rallying the shit out of his case, so... There was a rally in Martha's Vineyard, um, and which is in, I think we decided, Massachusetts. Yeah, I, I got it confused with Ann Arbor for some fucking reason. <laughs> I knew it was New England, and like all them little New England states are pretty much just one big glob. But it is, right. it is important that it cannot be understated. Martha's Vineyard, there was a rally just like um, within the week. And also another one in Tennessee. Um, So it's still, it's getting traction and I'm glad. So just keep supporting the Innocence Project, purvispain.org. 
Um, he has a stay of execution, I believe, until December. And they're still working on... Does he actually have the stay of execution? Because I thought that, that was up and he could technically be executed at any... They could set an execution date at any time. I thought... I thought he had, I thought there was some deadline they were trying to make for December. Um, so I will confirm that. And yeah, no worries. Also, while you're checking out the Innocence Project, there is also a ton of other very uh, notable cases that they are working on and other people who deserve you to uh, look into their cases. So, um, you know, just consider donating to the Innocence Project in general if you do have. Uh, extra funds that you're looking to donate or supporting them in any way yeah so even like just sharing like their social yes. media and stuff like any or signing petitions like anything helps if you can donate yeah. please um but they're like my favorite place to donate to mm-hmm. uh because they just do really really important work yep um so yes let me see so i guess okay the reprieve did end on April 9th, but I thought there was something, there was a deadline in December that they... Yeah, I can't remember what the, it's not for that, though, it's for something with for something case. else? Like, something with, like, being heard, his case being heard, or something like that. It might be... Because I know that the intellectual disability needed to be looked at by a psychi, like a mental health professional, yeah. um, and they were like saying that that couldn't be done by December, and we're like, why? <laughs> right, right. I remember that conversation. Mm-hmm. Oh, the judge will hear his claim in December. In December, okay, so got it. So it needs it to be done by then. Yes. Okay. Um. Yes, that's what it is. Let okay. me look at this one article um well (laughs) (laughs) anything else on that one that you see that's notable so far uh well i'm just trying to confirm exactly what's happening in december and of course my internet's being a cunt yeah that happens you know how it does also we enjoy that word on this show we don't find it as offensive and it's i mean i i mean it i mean it offensively (laughs) well no i just mean like you you know how people get super sensitive about same with bitch people get super sensitive about it and it's just more of those like i'm gonna take that word back and make it my own and fuck you yeah uh i don't care (laughs) yeah if anyone has a problem with it Okay, yes. It looks like the judge is going to hear um is going to hear his claim on in December of 2021 and by then they really need to have the mental health professional, like the licensed professional uh examine him to just confirm um intellectual disability. That's happening on December 13th. Okay. Um so they'll hear the claim regarding the intellectual disability. And then if that go if the judge agrees that he should not be executed because of the intellectual disability, then I would suppose that, that means that it would be taken off the table. Yeah. As a makes. punishment. So yep, that's where that stands for right now. So. Yeah. Um, I have no Subberton Man updates. I keep checking. His body was exhumed. I did get to confirm that, but I don't have anything else. I that'll probably be a minute. Yeah, I'm. I want to know now, though. Mm-hmm. I want to know like yesterday. Yeah, that'll be so exciting so, when it happens, though. Yeah, yeah, I'm very excited. Well, I have a weird one for you. I am ready. Let's go. Let's do this. So I cannot believe that. I'm saying this or I, I'm not, I'm a little bit ashamed that I'm saying this. Do you watch like Bailey Sarian? Yes. I was never like into it because I'm really not into like makeup, but I don't know why that stopped me from watching her videos. So she is absolutely gorgeous. So I watch it partially because she's just stunning. 
And also she's hilarious. No, she really is. And she's so likable. And I'm just, I'm just honestly, I'm not a YouTube video person. I find the whole, like, I find a lot of YouTubers just really cringy. Yeah. So like, if she did a podcast, you would want to listen to her a hundred percent. Like, and she does but, like now. watching. Yeah, yeah, but like but, she yeah. started out with the videos, so it's like uh, yeah. And but, I'm just like, ugh, YouTube video. She ugh. is actually how I found out about the Butterbox babies. Mm. Well, she's so, how I found out about about this. Actually, Lauren might have sent me this video. I feel like Lauren sent it to you because I remember you telling me and saying Lauren sent me this. She did, and then I but this. But then I think I watched her because Lauren sent me this video about this case. And then I was like, oh, she's actually very likable and like not an annoying YouTuber. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Um, so she was I, actually also just in Inked Magazine, just in case anyone was. she looked hot. Mm-hmm. Get it, girl. Yeah. Uh, and I've been listening now. I've been listening to her new podcast, Dark History. Well, relatively okay. new. It's been out in the last couple months, I think. Yeah. Um, and that's really cool. You would like that. It's like weird historical cases. Um, so that's cool. But yeah, she I unfairly judge her as just like an annoying YouTuber. And I am sorry about that, Bailey Sarian. You are not. You are very likable and you do great research. Yeah. So that so that's one of my sources is uh one of her videos about this case. I also use the Wikipedia page and two articles from the Washington or I'm sorry, the Washingtonian. That's not a fucking mouthful or anything. Washingtonian. <clears throat> uh which for Washington DC, not Washington State. Okay. Okay, you ready? I'm ready. It's fucking weird, dude. Yeah. Um all right, so in 2006, where were you in 2006, Rachel? I was in 12th grade. Oh my god, you don't know what grade I was in in 2006. Is it going to make me feel old as fuck? <laughs> okay. Uh, depending on the... Depending on where the the year fell, I was either... In, I was either in 6th grade or 7th grade. <laughs> I mean, I guess technically I could have been in 11th grade too. You could have been. But yeah, it so just, that seems like such a big difference to me, like such a big is. age difference. Like I was like 12 and you were like 17, 17. 18. Yeah, I would have been 17. Yeah, that's crazy. which really isn't that big of an age difference. But when you're but under 18, it feels like it. And, and developmentally, yes. it's like I had just gotten yeah. my period in the last couple of years and you had probably like already boned someone by that. I mean, I'm. <laughs> oh, yeah, for sure. <laughs> I'm yeah. not saying that as a judgment. I just mean like you probably you can judge all you fucking want. I got it in. You yeah, know it is what it is. But like probably, I was 17 years old, right? You probably like <laughs> so so it's just like weird. I was yeah. just like, oh, penises. What's a penis? And you're like, <laughs> you're like dick. <laughs> okay. Uh, yeah. It's just funny how, you know, at that age, it does seem like a very large. Well, because it yeah. kind of it kind of is, though. Like, if you saw two, yeah. you saw those ages dating, that's fucking weird. But if disgusting. You, yeah. But if you saw but like an almost 28 year old and a 32 year old. It's not even that big of a that's deal. It's not anything. Yeah. All right. Anyway. Hmm. Well, in 2006, 32 year old Robert Eric Wan had recently begun his career in law after graduating from the University of Pennsylvania with his law degree. Prior to that, he attended the College of William and Mary in Williamsburg, Virginia, and received his bachelor's in public policy. During this time uh, in undergrad, he met Joseph Price, who we'll call Joe, who became a lifelong friend even after the two men went their separate ways to different law schools. So in 2006, Robert was working as general counsel at Radio Free Asia in Washington, D.C. Um, according to Wikipedia, Radio Free Asia is a U.S. government-funded private nonprofit news service that broadcasts radio programs and publishes online news and commentary for its audiences in Asia. Um, and and he is also Robert is a Chinese American. He's like a I forget which generation, but he was maybe only a 
second, third, or fourth generation. Like his family in the lot, like really hadn't been in this country extremely long. Oh, okay. Um, so I, I assume that that probably was important, <clears throat> important work for him because it was yeah. tied to his heritage. Um, the service, which provides um, editorially independent reporting, has the mission of providing accurate and uncensored reporting to countries in Asia that have like not so good media. Um, and really limited protections for press freedom and freedom of speech. So I'd imagine that was probably really important work for him. Right. So he lived in Oakton, Virginia with his wife, Catherine, who he'd met in 2002 at a law conference. It was really cute because when they met, Catherine lived in Chicago. So he'd fly out every weekend to see her. And they dated for just a year. I know. I'm like, what kind of money you got, Robert? my very first fucking thought was jeez is that expensive for real and well no i guess it wasn't it wasn't pre-9-11 i was like no so it was like just when they started to impose baggage fees and tsa yeah it was like recent it was really recent after 9-11 if it was 2002 so yeah that's crazy uh but they dated just a year before they got engaged um, so it was like true love, like, you know, they were yeah. hot and heavy and got, got engaged and married pretty quick. Um, so back to 2006, Robert had just begun his position at Radio Free Asia and decided to take a continuing education course. He and Catherine both both worked in D.C. and commuted about 30 to 40 minutes each day. And if you know D.C. traffic, that's probably way longer on some days um yes yes when we were just on vacation a few weeks ago we so we took a route because we're smart and we listened to our gps we took a route (laughs) and went around dc yeah yeah (laughs) we're so smart we listened to a phone tell us what to do yeah Um, but but we took a route that went around dc and it was probably more miles but then like my other it was family? faster yes but then my other family members got stuck on the on the is it 95 something like that and um they were we got there like two hours before everyone else yeah so yeah. point being that like that was a long ass commute even if it doesn't sound like it on paper it was probably way longer than that on on a lot of on many days yeah especially during rush hour um, but so he wanted to take this continuing education course, but it was going to be late at night and he thought it would be smarter to stay with a friend during the course so that he could avoid the commute. Um, Robert decided to ask Joseph Price if he could crash at his place on uh, the nights he had this training. So Joe lived in downtown DC. So he asked him, Robert asked him, like, hey, when I have this course, can I stay there so that I can just, you know, get up in the morning, go to work, and not have to worry about that commute super late at night? So Joe agreed, and uh, Robert planned to stay um, with Joe on Wednesday, August 2nd, 2006, um, when the course started. So background on Joe, he was a prominent lawyer who worked in gay rights advocacy and intellectual property. Uh, he lived in a townhouse with his longtime boyfriend, Victor, and also in the townhouse lived a man named Dylan. The nature of the three men's relationship was described as polyamorous, and the men mm-hmm. often referred to themselves as a family. Um, Victor worked as a marketing manager for a milk processor. So, like, uh, it's uh, he worked for, like, those got milk ads. Like, okay. Like, those were so... I remember those in, like, my middle school, like, cafeteria. Yeah, they were everywhere. And they always had, like, the Olsen twins and some, you know, shit. Yeah. Like, little... Weird, weird shit. Little baby celebrities. Yeah. Um. So he worked for, like, those, that, um, kind of, those campaigns. And then Dylan worked as a massage therapist. So the men's relationship, it's a little bit confusing, So a quick rundown, Joe and Victor shared a master bedroom at the top floor of the three-story townhouse. So they were really, like, they were more of the, like, typical significant other relationship is what I get out of it. Okay. Dylan's room was on the second floor below them. Joe and Dylan had sex with each other, but not with, but they didn't the three didn't have sex together so like victor didn't so, have sex with dylan but i think joe and victor had sex and joe and dylan had sex 
So then, wait, so Victor and Dylan didn't have sex. I believe, yes. So they were just like metamors then. So they're just like, I yeah, okay. That's the, that's the impression that I get. Okay. Um, Joe and Dylan describe their relationship as being a dominant submissive one with Dylan as the dominant. And Dylan was super into BDSM and some like real freaky shit. Um, there was also, this is important to point out, she is not relevant to the story except for a little tiny bit, but there was also a fourth roommate in the house, a friend of Victor's named Sarah. Um, just kind of keep that in your mind, but she's really not involved too much. Okay. Okay. Um, so yes, Joe, Joe is Robert's friend. Joe's like boyfriend is Victor, but Joe also has sex with Dylan. So Dylan is also Joe's boyfriend. But like, I don't think they're like, like they don't sleep in bed together at night. You know what I mean? Yeah, but still, is, it's still is part, it's still a part of yeah, partner. Yeah, but it seems like they're so. more like, they're more kind of like fuck buddies, but like friends, like they're close, yeah. but they're not like. If if it was actually like a polyamorous relationship, all- though. No, no, no. So poly, like a polyam couple, right? Like they don't all have to be fucking each other like okay. so what would happen is like i'm getting their names mixed up mixed up i'm just telling you right now but like what it is is that they're like so joe and dylan? victor or joe victor. and dylan well who are you talking what's what who are you saying is the main couple i just because they shared a bedroom and they continued to be in a relationship i believe like later in the story joe and victor okay so joe and victor have agreed that they are a polyamorous couple so that means that joe can go off and have another partner and victor can go off and have another partner as well that still makes them polyamorous they don't have to be having sex with each other's partners or no, all having no, sex I, together no i know that so, and, I, and i think they were but i don't but i think as far as dylan is concerned i think only dylan and joe had sex i don't just right yeah okay okay but in the household joe and Dylan. Mm-hmm. slept in the same bed joe and victor joe and victor got it joe okay dylan is the one that only had sex with joe one of the other two okay yeah who yeah. owned the house do we know i believe joe okay all right joe and victor top floor shared a bedroom slept in the same bed together dylan second floor they all considered each other to be a family but only dylan and joe were like had a physical sexually active together yeah okay that's got it what i believe okay. um based on all these sources that what it, that's what it seems to be got it okay okay so um so and then just keep in mind sarah slept in the house too but like she really wasn't around for the story okay okay so back to august 2nd Robert, in 2006, Robert and Catherine commute to D.C. together in the morning like they always do. They go to work during the day, and then Robert does his law course that evening. Just before 10.30 p.m., Robert calls Joe to let him know that he'd be at the house soon. It was about an eight-minute cab ride from where Robert took the class to the townhouse. Okay. In a police interview, Joe reported that at this time, he and the other two men in the house, so Victor and Joe, had just eaten dinner together, and then Victor went upstairs to the master bedroom to watch TV. One source said it was Project Runway, just to throw that out there. I mean, good. Good, yeah. (laughs) Make it work. (laughs) Yeah. So um, Joe said Robert arrived at the house between 10.30 and 10.40. Okay. Okay. Um, So when Robert gets to the house, Joe and Dylan are in the kitchen together. Victor's upstairs. The three talked together in the kitchen for a few minutes until Robert said he was tired and wanted to go to bed. So Joe shows Robert to the guest room on the second floor. At this time, Dylan takes a sleeping pill and goes to his room to read. Around this time, Dylan hears the shower turn on, so he assumes it was Robert in the bathroom to take a shower. Dylan says shortly after this, he fell asleep. At this point, it's about 11 o'clock and all the men are in their typical sleeping rooms to go to bed. And um, aside from Robert, who allegedly took a shower and then went to his room. Okay. 
based on Robert's cell phone records between 1105 and 1107, he drafted two emails without sending them. One was to Catherine saying that he made it to Joe's house and was going to shower and go to bed. The second email was to a colleague confirming a lunch appointment that they had the next day. It was it's important to note that the house had an alarm system. Also, those emails were never sent. They were just drafted and saved. Okay. All right. So the house has an alarm system, which was common for the area because it was really, it was pretty high crime and like everybody had an alarm system. Um, of course, on August 2nd, it wasn't turned on. So despite it not being fully activated, there was still a chime that would chirp if anyone opened the exterior doors to the home. Okay. Um, that night, Victor and Joe at the uh, top floor of the house heard the chirp of the door alarm indicating that one of the exterior doors had been opened. They didn't okay. think much of it because they thought it was Sarah, the fourth roommate, coming home late. Okay. How many bedrooms are in this fucking house? I don't know. It must be pretty big. Because the two guys at the top floor have a room. Right. Dylan has his own room. Sarah has her own room. I think, unless she crashes on the couch or something, and Robert's in a guest room with, like, a pull-out bed. Like, a pull-out sofa. Okay. So, I don't know. But they are very, uh, they're, Joe's a very prominent lawyer. Okay. And Joe and Victor are considered a very prominent couple. Okay. All right. So, I mean, they could have, like, a four or five bedroom townhouse. Yeah, like, they could be pretty rich. Okay. Um, then comes the 40-minute window of time around 11.10 to 11.50. No one knows what the fuck happened, okay? Okay. At 11.49, a panicked Victor calls 911 to report that he needs an ambulance because he believes an intruder came into the home and stabbed their guest, Robert. The dispatcher instructed Victor to put pressure on the stab wound with a towel to control the bleeding until help arrives. And she also said to, um, he or she, I think it's a she, but she also said that they should be swapping out the towels that they use because it's probably going to be a lot of blood um, yeah. to try to control the bleeding. So throughout the call, Victor's crying and freaking out. He tells the operator he's afraid to go downstairs to let the medics in because he doesn't know if the intruder is still inside the home. The operator asked Victor if someone is applying pressure to the wound and Victor said that his partner, Joe, is doing that. Medics arrive at 11.54, and Victor leads them in and tells them which room to go to. So, like, where was where was the fear of the intruder? I don't really know. Yeah. So, the medics run into Dylan on their way up to Robert's room, and when they asked Dylan where the victim was, he pointed to the guest room and went into his own room and shut the door. So, like, really, like, a weird interaction. He was just kind of, like, oh, like, pointed and bounced. There was no, like, if it were me, I'd be like, he's right there. Is he okay? Like, I'd be freaking the fuck out. And this guy just didn't really have much of a reaction. Kind of sketch. Yeah. So the medics found Robert on the pullout sofa bed. They noted that the scene did not look disturbed. There were no signs of struggle. And Robert looked like he was placed on the sofa bed on top of the perfectly made sheets and blankets. Um, In the Bailey Sarian video, she said that, like, you know how someone's, like, their heads on a pillow the pillow looks like ruffled you know like it looks yeah yeah it looks um it looks like there's a fucking human head on it for yeah yeah it was just straight and it it just looks like he was just kind of placed there okay um the and the bed was still like perfectly made he wore a t-shirt and underwear which Catherine confirmed was typical and what he wore to sleep in on most nights he okay. also had his mouth guard in, so he was, like, ready to go to bed. I know yeah. I wear a mouth guard. I don't put that shit in until my head's about to hit the pillow. Yeah. Uh, medics asked Joe what happened, and he responded that he heard a scream from the main bedroom, or, like, the top floor bedroom, and ran down, or no, I'm sorry, from the main bedroom. I think he meant he heard a scream from the master bedroom upstairs, and then they ran yeah. downstairs to find Robert stabbed. Okay. So, they the medics took a look at Robert. They found three large cuts through Robert's t-shirt, one in his abdomen, one through his heart, and one on his side. Medics found hardly any blood in the room aside from a few small spots on the bed and some on his shirt. The blood on the shirt was strange. It looked like someone had just wiped the shirt with blood to make it appear that bleeding occurred. And like, 
in one of the, I think in the video, the stab wounds were like, you could get fingers inside of it. Like, they were deep. Yeah. And there was uh. like, and there was like no blood. What the fuck? So, the shirt didn't make sense. It looked like it was like just very vaguely swiped with blood just to make it look like there was blood. It wasn't nearly enough for the stab wounds. And when experts analyzed the shirt blood, it was confirmed that this blood was not consistent with how blood would form from three significant wounds in the stomach and chest. They also looked at the blood on the towel that Joe and Victor had supposedly used to stop the bleeding as the 911 operator instructor or instructed. Um, I saw a picture of this towel. Okay, Rachel. So I'm gesturing with my hands. I'm using my two index fingers and two thumbs, putting them together to make a circle. That was maybe how much blood was on the towel. That's not even as big as a washcloth. No, with a few... With a few little speckles of blood. But, like, what the fuck? that towel should have been soaked. Yeah, if he was bleeding like that, yeah. And with the with the way the wounds were described being deep and on the, like, the main... It, it was on his torso, where you have so much fucking blood. Yeah. So it just didn't make sense. There was just this lack of blood, and it was a relatively um, clean crime scene. That's weird. So Robert was taken to the hospital and pronounced dead on August 3rd, around 1230 a.m. after attempts to revive him failed. So he was basically like dead on arrival. Yeah. So when the paramedics were questioned by authorities, they reported that the all the men looked freshly showered with Victor and Dylan wearing matching white robes, and they were very calm when they entered the scene. The medic also said that Robert appeared freshly showered himself because of how clean he was after the stabbing, despite that the wounds were large enough to fit three fingers inside them. Why? That's just fucking suspicious. Like fuck. Yeah. So then when police investigated the house, nothing seemed to be taken, including Robert's wallet and watch. Like all Robert's personal effects were all there. So nothing was taken. The knife. So, used... what was the fucking point then? Well, I'll tell you my theory. The okay. knife, the knife used to stab Robert, seemed to have come from the kitchen in the townhouse. The three men had very consistent, almost identical stories to account for the events of that night. They all reported that Joe and Dylan led Robert to his room and helped him pull out the sofa bed, which is actually not consistent with the story I just told you. The story I told you said that Joe helped him up to the room. And that Dylan took a sleeping bed or sleeping pill and went to his his room to read. Right. So like, did something's he, weird. It's something's weird. So, um, duh, duh, duh. okay. Then they all reported hearing the exterior door chime from the alarm system, and then strange noises coming from the second floor, including a quote muffled scream. Okay, that's not consistent with what was said earlier either. So this prompted Victor and Joe to go from the third floor to the second floor um, to investigate what the noise was. They heard another muffled scream from Robert's room where they found him wounded. Dylan said this is when he woke up and he went into the hallway to see what was going on. Joe reports that he saw a boning knife from the kitchen laying on Robert's stomach. He moved the knife and lifted up Robert's shirt to look at the wounds. Joe said that there was a lot of blood. Which, no, the fuck there wasn't. Where the fuck did it go, then? Blood doesn't just evaporate. Like, what the fuck? Right, and if you're wiping up, if there was blood and you wiped it up... There'd be bloody towels everywhere. Where's the towel? And if you got rid of the towel, why'd you get rid of the towel? Yeah. So, police took the three men to the homicide unit to be questioned. Detectives put them in separate rooms and questioned them until morning. In oddly clinical terms, each said an intruder had entered the house, stabbed Robert Wone and one and left without taking anything question mark price told the detectives quote i know it sounds crazy in fact if you told me this and i wasn't in the place all night i would say no way it cannot happen that's crazy but damned if it didn't that seems like a forced fucking like believe me i mean if i was in your shoes man i wouldn't believe me either like, but i totally i totally see that this sounds like bullshit but i but it is not bullshit like yeah what the fuck? 
so the detectives used standard interrogation techniques to try to wring a confession out of one of them. They told each man that the other had told a different story. But like, but fucking Joe was a lawyer and a good one. Yeah. So he knew all this shit. Right. He, like he knew what was going to be asked and what the what strategies were going to be used, you know? Yeah. Um, so none of the men wavered in their story. They didn't budge. According to the Robert Wan Wikipedia article, the detective acts asked, quote, sexually charged accusatory questions. And just a few days after the questioning, the gay and lesbian liaison unit of the police department were called in. It's not clear why no one would comment on it, but my guess is probably because they felt discriminated against. Yeah. Which, like, isn't okay. It's not okay. So, but also, I don't, I don't trust this Joe guy as far as I can throw him. And, like, right. he know, I feel like he knows all the tricks, you know what I mean? So. Yeah, so he's like, oh, we're gonna call this in and claim that it's We're gonna this. claim that they, and, but, who fucking knows? Yeah. Um... But anyway, police were convinced that the murder scene was tampered with and an affidavit was later released that the area around Juan's body had been cleaned. So just three months after Juan's murder, Joseph Price's brother burgled the townhouse and stole $7,000 worth of electronics. (sighs) Police were going to make an arrest. It's It's not clear who or what charges, but the burglary delayed it. okay suspicious (laughs) so then in october 2008 so now we're about two years after this um an obstruction of justice charge was filed against dylan who had since moved to miami miami dade county florida and was living at one of price's homes i'm sorry convenient bro, bro convenient yeah in November of 2008, Joe and Victor were arrested and charged with obstruction of justice. All three men were later released pending uh, pending trial, but subject to, like, ankle monitors and curfews. Um, on December 19th, 2008, additional charges of conspiracy were filed against all three men. And during the same hearing, the um, monitoring and curfew restrictions for the three Uh, Men were lifted and prosecutors announced the possibility that charges related to tamper with evidence could still be filed. Why they didn't fucking do it, I don't know. The affidavit filed by by authorities um, supporting the arrest warrant for Dylan showed that investigators concluded that the men weren't telling the truth. And the report says uh, the evidence demonstrates that Robert Wan was restrained, incapacitated, sexually assaulted, and murdered inside the home. And there exists, it said, overwhelming evidence far in excess of probable cause. Um, so, and they, and they held that they obstructed justice by altering and orchestrating the crime scene, planting evidence, delaying the reporting of the murder, and lying to police about the true circumstances of the murder. Wow. Um, the lawyers of the three men who were accused have called the affidavit, quote, speculation, innuendo, assumptions, and irrelevant inflammatory comments. Um, and they think that, like, they think that this whole case was trying to pit the men against each other so they'd crack but it's like yeah it probably was (laughs) yeah yeah to get someone to tell the truth yeah so officials believe that a knife from the kitchen was just taken so that boning knife they found Mm -hmm. they think it was just taken they put blood on it and they placed it near the body while a duplicate of the knife that was missing from a set found in ward's bedroom would have actually been more consistent with with juan's wounds right and some of these sources say that part of the BDSM stuff that Dylan was into involved knives. So he was in like knife play and all that. Yeah. So. Okay. Yeah. Um, the autopsy revealed evidence of some degree of like suffocation, maybe by a pillow and puncture marks on his neck, chest, foot and hand. Um, no toxins were found in his blood, but a lack of evidence of, um, a lack of evidence of any struggle from Robert led the police to suspect that 
he had been injected with some kind of paralytic agent. Oh my god. Yeah. Um, dogs that they brought in found a res of some residue of blood in a dryer lint trap. And oh. yeah. And the patio drain, which police believe may be evidence that someone washed themselves up on the back patio and dried yeah. their when dried their clothes. Yeah. Um there was a columnist in the Washington City paper. Um, named Jason Cherkis, he reported criticism of the medical examiner's failure to test for like other drugs that mm-hmm. they don't typically test for, and they didn't keep a sample of Juan's blood for later testing. What the fuck? Yeah. Um, and detectives failed to like really follow up on the lint trap that had sparked the dog's attention. So like. They just fucked up in a lot of ways. Um, In April of 2009, prosecutors disclosed that the two emails that had been drafted on uh, Juan's BlackBerry, um, they they believed that those were drafted at a time, like, when Juan was already dead. Right, just to, like, cover. Because, like, why would you just draft emails? And just, like, especially if one was to say, like, I'm here, honey, I'm okay, like, I guess maybe their thinking was like, oh, like, he was about to send them, and then the intruder broke in. Okay, but he was about to send two emails at one time, so they both went into his drafts? That makes no fucking sense. No, it's real dumb. Um, And then an independent criminal law uh, attorney noted, quote, the defense will argue that this is consistent with their claim that the murder happened quickly by an intruder, and it was not a long, drawn-out effort to sexually assault Juan before he was killed as the government is alleging so so let me just get this straight he just finished typing to his wife let me stab you bam bam hold on one second let me just draft another email and put it in my drafts right stab, or like stab. you want to really tell me that he drafted an email to his wife put that in his drafts and he's like oh i'll send it in a second as soon as i'm done drafting this one to my work colleague and then right. during that one that's when he gets stabbed yeah no none of that makes any goddamn sense no it doesn't um so basically what the prosecutor um yeah when the pro- dylan dylan's the one who fucked off to miami right yeah even fucking weirder yep um and this independent attorney is basically like this was all a cover-up because he was actually sexually assaulted yeah <clears throat> yeah so um but Joe is probably such a prominent fucking attorney. He also knew what strings to pull too. Exactly. And um, palms to grease. So. Um. So, oh, and here's this too. Previously, a court filing indicated that the government intended to release a personal profile that Price allegedly used on alt.com, a quote, sexually oriented website specializing in S&M practices. Okay. So, formal defense in the conspiracy case began on June 17th, 2010, and concluded without any of the defendants testifying. On June 29th, so 12 days later, Judge um, Lynn Leibowitz found the men not guilty of charges of conspiracy, obstruction of justice, and tampering with evidence. Leibowitz explained her ruling for almost an hour and stated that she personally believed that the men knew what happened and who killed Juan, but was not convinced beyond a reasonable doubt that they committed the offenses. They just, she just thinks that they knew about it. I, and from the evidence that was actually fucking analyzed, I think that she has a point, but yeah. But if they would have gone back to the blood that the dogs found in the dryer and in and in the patio like why didn't they fucking do that and why wasn't further testing done on the drug on like any possible drugs in the in his body because joe knew because joe yes exactly yeah or he found loopholes or something so juan's widow catherine on november 25th 2008 she did file a wrong a wrongful death lawsuit against Joseph Price. Well, actually against all three of them. 
and it was largely based on that police affidavit. Um, they did come to a settlement on August 3rd, 2011. The sum was not shared, so I don't know how much she got. Hopefully a, a lot. Yeah. Um, and prior to his nomination as Attorney General, Eric Holder, he actually advised um, Catherine pro bono. I don't know... Oh. Yeah, I don't know if he, like, knew Juan or something, but I thought that was really nice. Yeah, yeah. So, Juan's death has proven to be one of the most mysterious homicide cases in Washington, D.C. history. Um, The Washington Examiner listed the Juan case in light of the arrest as one of eight top crime stories in D.C. for 2008. The Washington Blade also stated that the case has captured the interest of the gay community because it occurred inside the home of a prominent male couple. Um, as a result of his death, a lot um, he uh, Robert Wan was honored in a lot of different ways. So, the Virginia Department of Social Services has the Robert E. Wan Award for Exemplary Service. There's a Robert E. Wan uh, Judicial Clerkship and Internship Conference, um, which which goes um, among all of the D.C. area law schools. There are a bunch of different scholarships. Um, there's a fellowship. So all in like a lot of his alma maters, like uh, University of Pennsylvania, have like different things to honor him. Um, they, they have like a room in the law school's, um, like, civil practice clinic in his name. And on October 22nd, 2011, family and friends gathered at Barksdale Field at the College of William and Mary, so that was his undergrad alma mater, to dedicate two benches and two Chinese uh, pistachi trees in Juan's memory. The plaques on the benches read... Rest a while and enjoy the wonderful world around you. A reference to one of Juan's favorite songs by Louis Armstrong, What a Wonderful World. So that is the wild and really sad story about Robert Juan's death. That's really, really sad. Like, I just... So tell me your theory. Oh, my theory is that um, either... Both, either both Dylan and Joe initiated sex with Robert. Um, I think there could be a possibility that at first maybe, maybe Robert was consenting, but if he was drugged, then at that point, it's not right. consensual. Um, I, I don't, it's not, I'm not sure whether it was just Dylan or if it was Dylan and, and Joe. Okay. Because, and because they all described each other as family, I think if it, I think whoever wasn't involved, whether it was Joe and Victor not involved or just Victor not involved, I think everybody's covering for each other. Where do you think the murder actually took place? Um, I, well, I think it could have taken place in the bathroom when Robert was showering. Yep. Um, I think that he was without a doubt showered and cleaned before yeah the medics got there i think the actual murder happened i don't think victor was involved in the murder at all um i'm just not sure if it was joe and dylan or just dylan but with ever but now that i'm saying that with all the with the amount of work involved to clean him up and everything it was probably both of them yeah well like my whole thing is like if they did it in his bedroom even if they cleaned up the blood the dog still would have triggered on it yeah, you know, whereas so, a shower is way more easily cleaned. Right, you run it down the drain if he got stabbed in the shower. So, like, I mean, part of me thinks that maybe he was attacked in the shower. Mm -hmm. Or, like, I, but I just, but what's the goddamn motive? I just don't understand at that point. That's like, why I wonder if it was more like a, hey, we do BDSM shit. You want to try it? Yeah, and, and then he was like, fuck. Yes, and he was like, "Oh fuck, no!" And then he was like, "Oh, wait a minute, no!" And like, maybe, and it, maybe it wasn't in, an intention. Maybe it wasn't intentional murder, but it took a bad turn. Yeah, and like, if Dylan was into like knife play and shit, like maybe, yeah. maybe he just went too far. <laughs> went too deep, like so to speak. And yeah, but too deep three times. 
but maybe he thought he knew what he was doing and didn't. That's just... Mm. Did Dylan have any other criminal history that they talked about? Mm-mm. And, well, and maybe, or maybe that, maybe just one cut went too far, and then they did the other two just to, like, so that... It looked, so yeah. That it, to make it look like it was an intruder, or just to, like, finish Robert off so that he couldn't come to and then tell... I definitely think it was Dylan because of the way he acted when they got there and the fact that he fucked off to Miami and the other two stayed. I definitely think it was Dylan, but because of, I don't know how, how big in stature Robert was, but because. Oh, I think the other two helped him cover it up, but I think that it was Dylan, Dylan who actually did the, the killing. I think if that makes sense. I think it could have been Joe too, because if they had a dominant submissive relationship and Dylan was the dominant one, and Dylan was kind of like taking on that role of a dominant and Joe was there, maybe Joe was in that submissive role and just listening to what Dylan said. Yeah. I think that's possible too. Dylan, I believe, was absolutely involved. Joe, like with the actual death. Joe, I'm not sure if he was involved in the actual death, but they all knew about it. Everyone, yeah. all those guys knew what happened. Yeah. Um, and they were all covering up for whoever it was, was that was involved in the actual death in the murder. Wow. I think it could have been intent or honestly, I kind of doubt it was even intentional because there's not a motive. I think it was probably like, like BDSM gone wrong. Yeah. But if he was drugged with a paralytic, you can't say that that's not intentional. So we don't know. We don't know for sure if that happened, but, but like the but, lack of struggle. But then, but maybe, but maybe it went too far and like, maybe then it did turn into rape because yeah. they were just too into the. The scene or what? Yeah. Yeah. Wow. Too into the kink to like back the fuck mm. off and really. Yeah. Isn't that wild? This is fucked. It's super fucked. It's super fucked. And, and they're I, all just walking free. Yeah. And cool. the, because of that stupid that piece of shit. Um, and it really pisses me off, too, that, like, that Joseph Price is, like, a, or at least at that time was, like, a gay rights and gay advocacy lawyer. Because, like, dude, you just, you just, like, at, at best, you just aided and abetted but at worst you were you, you were you joined in on a murder uh, like neither is good like at no there's the best, no good option here the best case scenario is all you did was help wash his body off and you didn't rat out your friend but the worst case is that like you all you killed your friend and yeah. get to walk free and you're you're say you're gay rights what fuck you man yeah that's really fucked up yeah, I thought you were about to tell me he was going to be the attorney general when I was like, excuse the fuck out of me. Oh, my God. I hope he's. Mm. <sighs> yeah, this is gross. This is a gross case. It's <laughs> uncomfortable. It's very uncomfortable. And yeah, there's so much that went under wraps due to whatever loopholes and shit. And that's why it's not OK for a cop to ask sexually charge or like um you know to be degrading in their questioning yeah however if all the cop maybe and you know i never fucking take the cop side but maybe um the cop was just like you're you're on this website for bdsm is that what happened like yeah yeah and then maybe i mean we don't really know the questions the cops were asking right we don't know how how charged they really were he could have just been asking that and they were like oh Time to uh That's what I'm saying. lawyer up. Exactly. That's what I'm saying. And then they want to bring in this uh this liaison for gay and lesbian. Um they like, saw that window and took it. They saw that window and took it. And then as a result, that might have then even if even if that particular cop's questions weren't terribly inappropriate, if there was any other inappropriateness uh, going on with like sexuality and um, like homosexuality in the co- like they don't want all that yeah. getting out like so it's just a right. big it's just a big clusterfuck uh, and it ultimately becomes like a pr issue for the like, cops too so it's just fucked you know when we'll find out never 
when they're all old and in nursing homes and they confess on their deathbeds. Maybe, but I could see those fuckers not um, just confessing ever. And yeah, because I mean, it's been 15 years. So those guys are probably pushing 50. Like, I don't know. (laughs) Yeah. That made me feel older than the previous thing. Sorry. No, it's fine. <laughs> um. <laughs> Your face looked really not fine. You're like, it's, you're like, it's fine. Just single tear. <laughs> Everything's okay. Yeah, that's really fucked up. It is. In these kind, these cases, this is similar to me about of the um, Panama girls in that there are so many. Well, really, this one there's not as many. There's pretty much like one or two things that happen, but it's the right when you're like, this is one of the most mysterious. I'm like. No, it's truly not. Like, we know what happened. We just need them to say it. Yeah. There's, but, like, some little outliers, but not a ton. But in the unsolved, like, in the aspect that it's unsolved and that so much got yeah. covered up. And, yeah. And, um, and, and there are weird things, like, that. it can probably, I would assume, be proven that the door did chirp. Who went, but, oh, fuck, the door probably chirped because some, the blood was found on the back patio, like, by the hose. So someone's going outside to rinse themselves. To wash off. off. And then they put their shit in the dryer. And that's where that's why blood was found in the dryer. There you go. Yep. Woof. Fuck. I didn't even go to fucking detective school or what the fuck ever, and I just figured Mm-mm. it out. That's just And I think I if I didn't say this before, I think the murder happened way before they say it happened. Yeah, yeah. I was gonna say, like, whenever the the medics got there. He was clearly dead already. But like, did they have any idea how long he had been dead? I think. Well, they did say that when the emails were drafted, which was at because like they cleaned up in a real quick amount of time, is all I'm saying. So they definitely had to have done it in like the shower or some shit. Between eleven oh five and eleven oh seven is when those emails were drafted. And then so, they called 911 closer to midnight? Like 11.49. So, like, and he got home at, what, 10-something, they said? They got, he got there between 10.30 and 10.40. All right, so I just want to point out the insane short amount of fucking time. It's very that short. That happened. Mm-hmm. So, he, for in order for them to clean up, it definitely had to have happened in the shower. I think like, so. Yeah. I think so. Um, because then... Yeah, okay, because Dylan hears the shower turn on, so he assumes it's Robert in the bathroom shower. Dylan says shortly after this, he fell asleep. Um, This point, it's about 11. So, yeah, I bet it was probably around, like, 10. They they chatted in the kitchen, allegedly, for a little bit. I bet it was more, like, around 11 o'clock when he was showering, or when, just before, he was showering, and then... um. He's like attacked in the shower or maybe it was like a, oh, maybe I do want to try this kinky shit. And then he's like, oh, fuck. No, I don't. Maybe he's drugged. It's just such a short amount of time for him. to be like, yeah, let's get into this BDSM. Eh, no, I don't want to now. And then he, he, dies. Might have, he might have just plain been attacked. Yeah, I just I, I almost feel like more it was just like maybe a fantasy and he was attacked. Yeah, it could have been for sure. Like, I just. Uh, that's so fucked up because like he was in his normal um like pajama wear so they knew what he wore to bed and like that's just so crazy and he they put his mouth guard in like yeah the there this whole thing is fucked but that but that fucking guy knows how to make it look like how to make the story fit with what yeah yeah like how to make it look like their story is true so Uh, yeah it's fishy as shit it's icky it's really icky Mm. i hope somehow we find out but like we probably won't probably not Uh -uh. well that was cool (sighs) yeah you're welcome i mean cool and like uh, i'm super fucking uncomfortable and feel bad kind of way but like it was cool it was a good story yeah you should uh watch the bailey sarian video sometime okay um yeah uh blah, 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 
Padded room. Yeah, I wanted to shout out a podcast. Okay. Um, so my friend Jess has a podcast. It's called Jess Sayin. Mm-hmm. Um, she actually interviewed Joey and I on the podcast for our CBD business. Um, because she likes to feature like local businesses and things like that. Mm-hmm. But she likes to interview people and they tell their stories and you know, it's just it's really it's I like it. Um, and she interviewed us. So we are on it. And I talk a little bit about Chardonnay and DNA as well. But nice. I just wanted to give her podcast a shout out. Check it out if you can. It's called Jess Sayin. Um, if you're looking for it, she follows us. Um, and she also just tagged us. So she should be pretty easy to find. Nice. Awesome. Yeah. Thanks, Jess. Yeah. Jess and your cute name of your podcast. Isn't it adorable? Yeah, it is. That's cool. Yeah, I really like it. Um, well, my padded room is just, oh, I'm just going to shout out. Yeah, my phone died. (laughs) Okay. Um, I'm just going to shout out that Bailey Sarian podcast because I learned, um, about, let's see, what have I been learning about? The shirtwaist, the triangle shirtwaist Oh my God. (laughs) Yep. I learned about that. I also learned about weird ass, um, fucking grave robbers back in the day, like, it was so crazy so medical students way back in the day um when they were trying to learn more about like you know dead body like how the body worked and they needed cadavers colleges like medical medical schools of old would be like uh you have to bring your own body to school like don't dig one up and rob a grave wink wink but like you have to bring one but like yeah maybe do it you know but like if you do it just don't get caught yeah so it's funny because like that makes me think of like burke and hair you know that's mm-hmm. that that was a lucrative business back mm-hmm. then to provide bodies to oh, yeah. I didn't even think schools about that. oh my god yeah. i didn't even think about that yeah like yeah. that was everywhere so that's like if not the most recent episode of dark history it's the it was in the last like two episodes so it was good um, love it yeah and she, i wonder if she's gonna do the coffin girls oh i don't know i hope she does i'm gonna have to listen because i really really love dark history as we all know yeah um, it's it's good it's very much like her videos just without on or just without video like yeah it's, um yeah it's it's very good and um i would recommend it that one was very interesting nice um, yeah, you can do social medias, bitch. <laughs> yeah, for sure. Um, so we are on Facebook at Chardonnay and Sign DNA. Uh, we are on Twitter at Chardonnay and DNA, not Twitter. I fucking hate Twitter. My brain started to say, fuck Twitter. We're on Instagram. But I ran that all together. Um, that's actually our Instagram handle. So fuck Twitter yet again. Um, and our website, ChardonnayandDNA.com. Email is chardonnayanddna at gmail.com. Send us your stories. We want everything weird and twisty. Um, just anything DNA related. Um, or not. I mean. <laughs> or not at this point. I, bro- I broke I broke the mold. It's but fine. It's, We're if good. If it's that, listen, if it's that fucking good. We're doing it. We'll do it. Yeah, it's it's fine. Send us some weird shit. Yep. Um, okay. And yeah, I think that's it. Yep. Um, get vaxxed, get waxed, and... Have a good day. Yeah. All right, bye. Bye. Why? Why do they always have to be so fucking loud? Hey! Shut the fuck up, please! Thank you! <laughs> I want that at the end of the episode. Please, Terry. <laughs> <laughs> <laughs>